Hello everyone and welcome to the Dare to Design podcast with me, Karen Hilsinger, a graphic design student just trying to figure it out. Join me as I learn more about the industry and interview designers of all backgrounds, getting a look into what the life of a graphic designer is really like. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Dare to Design podcast. I hope you're well. It's been a minute since I uploaded. I usually try to upload every Monday, but with the semester starting, it's just been a little crazy to keep up with. But anyway, we have a great episode for you today. Today, I'm chatting with Kenzie Green. Kenzie is a small business owner, founder, of her own design studio. She did this right after college, so definitely stay tuned. Hello, Kenzie. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited to be on here and get to know you a little better. And I've listened to a few of the podcasts and I love you know, hearing from other people who like are in college and like have that same kind of path that I've been on. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you listened to a few. Um, so you probably know how we're going to start is just, you know, icebreakers, quick answer questions, you know, your name, age, your current job or your the job you gave yourself. And then if you were self-taught or not in design. Yeah. So I'll just go ahead and like give a whole background. Um, my name is Kenzie. I am the founder of Kenzie Green Design, a branding and web design studio. I did graduate college with my bachelor's in interactive media design last summer. And I did start my business while I was going to college. And I put so much energy and time into it that once I graduated, I was able to be fully self-employed, go ahead and sign a lease on a house, like move straight in and just start working for myself full time. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your story about yourself. Like when did the idea start of wanting to have your own business? Yeah. So Um, I knew I wanted to be a graphic designer since high school, but I had always had this idea that I would go to college, graduate, and then go work for a design agency, which I think is kind of the society standard. So I think a lot of people also kind of have that idea in mind when they start going to college. Mm -hmm. Um, So while I was in college, this is like a really crazy a crazy event that happened. It's kind of like the universe was pushing me into what I needed to be focusing on, which was starting a business. Um, I had never thought about that before until my college principal or whatever you want to call her. I went to a private college, so it was a pretty small school. She had asked me to volunteer for this event at our school, and it was some like event where a motivational speaker was coming and he would be talking to a bunch of people, which I had no idea who this guy was. I didn't know anything about it. I just volunteered because she asked me to and I wanted to help out. Mm -hmm. So I was at this event and this dude's talking about success and um, all of this stuff. And his name was Jack Canfield. And if you aren't familiar with who he is, he is the author of 
I believe multiple books, but um, he was handing out books at this event called The Success Principles. That's one of his like biggest books. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, so I'm not a big reader, but since I volunteered, my principal had given me the book as like a thank you. And I was like, cool, you know, like, thank you so much. I didn't really have any intention to read it, but <laughs> I got the book and it had sat in my dorm for, I don't know, three days or so. And I guess I just had some free time one evening and I decided to flip it open. And all of a sudden I started reading all these stories about famous celebrities, like that most people know, like Jim Carrey and just other people like that who had formed their success from believing in themselves and overcoming all these obstacles and using manifestation and never giving up. And I don't really know how to describe what happened when I read the book. I guess it was just like something sparked inside of me, like this newfound motivation. And after I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to have my own business. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm meant to do. And I'd say that was back in like maybe late 2017, early 2018. Um, and so for my birthday that year, um, my dad had got me a little website. He purchased my domain, Kinsey Green Design. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I started advertising that I did logos and I did packaging and kind of all of these things, um, which then a total transformation happened after that to lead me to where I'm at now, but we can get further into that. So that's kind of my little background story as to how I discovered I wanted to be an entrepreneur, period. I feel like a similar thing happened with me with COVID and the, the society did a total 180 of, you know, working nine to five to everyone's working from home. And I always had that idea of wanting to work for myself, but I was like, oh, I'm not the type. Like, that's not me. Like, other people do that, whatever. But I read the book, like, You Are a Badass, because that was like, it's that bright yellow book that everyone talks about. And I was like, you know what, I'll read it, whatever, I have it. And I wasn't taking it seriously to begin with. But then I was like, oh, shit, like, this is, it's possible. And it's not just it talks about manifestation too and like how you create the life how like you create your life so why don't you just have that mindset now of whatever your success may be because then it'll come to you you have to be open to it exactly and most people don't understand that and that's actually something i'm doing a live tomorrow evening with um, another gal and we're talking about, you know, manifestation, the law of attraction, money mindset, and all these things and how they actually affect people differently based on their life experience. So that's a whole nother can of beans. But um, that was kind of like the root of my motivation and how I've achieved everything. And some people think, well, that's a load of bull crap, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just believe in and, and I totally understand where they're coming from, but if you don't believe that it's a real thing and that it can happen, then it's not going to work for you, you know? Exactly. If, if you know, no one 
was telling me like you can't do it or no you you're better in corporate it was like it was literally only me telling myself that it wasn't possible so once I changed that mindset and I was like you know what why not whatever I started actually believing it it wasn't just like a dream or an idea I was like oh this is my reality now and I can dictate my reality so yeah asking you if if you want to speak more on about you know how you've started the manifestation path because I know a lot of people they think it's like bullcrap like you said and they don't even know where to start so was it by like affirmations or journaling like how did you start the mindset switch okay yeah so I think you know there's a variety of methods um and I think that you know some are going to work better based on your situation because I think that believing in it can be a lot harder for some people who have not maybe grown up with the easiest life or who have had people in their life who have told them negative things you know they might not mean it in a negative way but like be realistic i hate that freaking phrase oh my god Um, i get told that all the time (laughs) yeah um see i didn't have people that you know told me that so when i discovered manifestation it was very easy for me to uh, wrap that around my mind and start believing in it but for other people who have had parents and friends constantly tell them to be realistic or that they need a stable job and things of that sort I think that they do have to dig a little deeper and work harder to start um, Mm -hmm. making manifestation work for them because it's so hard for them to grasp this idea that just believing and aligning your actions with that belief is powerful enough to get you somewhere in life Um, so I pretty much just started thinking about what I wanted and aligning my actions with that belief. So for example, on my free time, when I was not in class, I was working on my business. I was marked, I was doing concept projects. I was posting on social media. I was doing everything I possibly could during that time to you know, align my actions with my goals. Um, so that was all I had to do to get it to really work for me. But I know that for some people journaling Um, you know, positive affirmations and things of that sort does help. Um, Vision boards, I know that's super popular for some people, which I've never really had to use those things, but I also think that I'm a very, very um, optimistic person. So that played a huge role in the way that it kind of worked for me. Mm -hmm. You know, some people would tell me like professors or my parents, you know, well, maybe you want to get corporate first, get that experience and then you'll you know you can be on track for like a stable position and get an income and you know 401k all this stuff and i was like well i did an internship for the summer in corporate and i really did not like it so that's kind of when this switch happened because i started thinking like is this gonna be my life and i'm like wow that is so morbid like I don't want to be thinking like wow is this what I'm stuck with because the whole point of me choosing and wanting to pursue graphic design was that it was supposed to be a creative and 
fun and just job where you had a lot of opportunity and a lot of flexibility. So I'm like, why am I going to do the nine to five typical corporate? That isn't really what my 17 year old self was thinking at the time. You know, you just kind of forget that when you're starting and you're in these classes and then you're drilled with the same information, you kind of forget where you started and what your dreams were. Yeah. Um, you know, college as a whole for design, it's good. And it's taught me a lot of uh, different things about running a business because my degree taught me about like how to record videos, how to do film, how to do professional photography. And then of course, advertising, graphic design, packaging um, in general. And it introduced me to web design, which was all very helpful things. But at the same time, the college curriculum teaches you how to be a good employee for somebody else. They're not teaching you how to run your own business. So I think part of being successful and starting your own business is take into account what they're saying and learn from it. But I don't tell people really what I'm doing, maybe my boyfriend, um, and that's about it. And I just only listen to my inner self. If, if somebody's giving me advice, like a professor, I got that too. Like, maybe you want to get some experience at an agency first. I just said, no, like, I don't want to do that. So um, I knew from the get-go that I never wanted to experience a nine to five. Um, so I have also this little like motto, and I'm sure you've heard it, don't take advice from people who aren't where you want to be. My professors, you know, they, they have, they may have the credibility of going to certain schools and working at certain places, but it's so different now than when they were in school and I definitely feel like college going on a much like deeper level like the system of college is so that you can get a career in nine to five and then you can give back to you know the country I went into college like you know what I'm gonna do this like so I can learn the programs and whatever but I really want to travel and I really want to experience the world so after studying abroad I was like, oh crap, Nine to, I really don't want to be in a cubicle. Like after experiencing life like this and having all these opportunities and, you know, living in different places for a week or so, I was like, a, a, a cubicle is not for me. Like it just reaffirmed the, my whole, like my inner self, what I was telling myself when the rest of the people around me may have been saying something totally different yeah and I think it's also very hard to trust your inner self because there are so many people who don't get me wrong they have good intentions mm -hmm. but they have no idea what's really out there in terms of the power of your own mindset and believing in yourself mm -hmm. um, and going after what you want in life um, and going back to college curriculum and college as a whole in general, some people ask me if college was worth it or not. And I can't even, it, it's not black and white. Like I can't give them a straight yes, it was worth it or no, it wasn't. Because 
if I didn't go to college, that whole event would have never happened to where I discovered I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And exactly. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have all of these skills that I have now, um, all of these different creative skills that have really helped me create a business and um, market myself really well. So like, it was a lot of money. Like it was really a lot of money. And I learned a lot about branding and website design from free YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> like they don't teach you branding. Like they, they teach you graphic design, but they don't teach you branding. They don't go yeah. in depth. And that's ultimately where the big money lies. And you know, like the root of why we do what we do is not money. Like it's being creative. It's helping other business owners. But at the same time, obviously you want to make money to sustain your business and money lies within strategy because strategy is what gets results for businesses and that's not what they teach you in college no yeah it's so true like I'm in I'm a senior now so I'm like basically done with my degree like I probably could have graduated early if I didn't study abroad so I'm I was kind of just like does it just didn't seem like enough so that's when I started Instagram and that's when I started connecting with these other designers and I was like oh I always liked doing logos like I had to do one for one class and I was like oh, I really like this but I was like there's so many like it's too saturated whatever like a company's not gonna hire me to do logos but then I'm seeing all these people all these young women doing it themselves and creating branding suites and I'm such a type A person. I don't know if, like, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm very much, like, the rational and the, I guess, logical. I'm not sure if that's the right word. But once I was learning more about branding, and I'm like, well, you get to create proposals for people. And I get, to, I could use my digital marketing experience. I could use all this and still be creative, but then give something to these businesses that is more than just the pretty stuff you know exactly and that took me a little while to figure out I kind of started that journey in college and that's part of the transformation from oh I want to start my own business I offer logos packaging brochures all of this stuff to picking a niche and becoming an expert in that niche um like I started out offering, you know, like everything under the sun, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people start out that way. Um, and it took me, you know, a good year or so to really narrow down my niche and redesign my portfolio in a way that attracted clients that I ideally wanted to be working with. And I learned what branding was from, like I said, YouTube videos, um, and once I learned more about, you know, the purpose of branding and how that's how some of the world's most successful businesses continuously stay on top, I realized that that's what I wanted to be providing to other entrepreneurs, not just giving them a one-off logo and expecting them to make their money back from just having this one element. They need the strategy. They need the brand guide they need to know how to use these things and they need something that's gonna attract their audience and a logo by itself it just can't do that so um 
like once I started discovering that, that's when a total transformation happened from, you know, my portfolio changing to narrowing down my niche to raising my rates. Um, and that really changed a lot for me. Yeah. And I mean, think about Apple, one of the largest companies, most well-known companies. Like, yeah, you know it by the Apple logo. But if you walk into a mall and you're like, you're looking down on your phone, but you see white tile and you see bright lights, you know, that's an Apple store. Like it's just the smallest things like colors, fonts. Like if I see a certain font or even like Apple has their own bags that they give out, it's like, you know, it's Apple. So then all these small businesses want to replicate. They're like, I want to be like Apple. Like I want to be well-known. Well, it's like a single logo isn't going to do that for you because it's just going to get lost in the mess of the hundreds of thousands of logos already out there. You need to create an image. And that's really what branding is. And like you said, becoming an expert in that niche seems to be like the best path that I see for myself just because I want to have that bigger project than just a small element that makes sense yeah it does and um when I started like I said I was offering so much stuff and then I started narrowing down and I still was offering one-off logos but I had raised my rate to like $500 for one logo and so I didn't really get that many clients for just a logo itself but maybe half a year ago was when I cut out any kind of small element because um, I want my clients to get the most out of my services and even just offering them like small website edits or additional collateral or just a logo by itself if they do not have a full branding package and they have not already previously worked with me I'm definitely not interested in giving that to them because I want people to get the most out of my services and that's not going to do it. That's not going to help their business in the way that they want. And it's also like a lot of people, they want to build a brand image and they want to get the quality work of, you know, the big businesses out there and look like them and have all the same things, but they aren't willing to make that investment. Mm -hmm. So when you started your business how did you go about create like I guess creating your ideal client and then also getting those clients so I started out with this really really ugly brand that was like green and black because we had we did have one brand identity class and they told us that we needed to be gender neutral which was such a freaking lie and so that right there was like completely wrong um so i had this ugly brand and i was kind of attracting men women corporate style not corporate style and then i started working with some bloggers and i started working with a lot of women and as time passed i realized i really enjoyed working with women because i like feminine designs and i'm a feminine designer. Obviously, that doesn't mean I only work with women or anything like that, but my designs are very feminine. Um, and although I can do corporate style, that's what I really 
enjoy doing. So after I figured that out, I started changing around my portfolio to kind of only display feminine work. And I changed my colors. Um, and so I appeared a bit more girly, which obviously attracted more women. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I started targeting them. Um, I got a lot of my clients from Facebook groups and blogger groups. And also Instagram really, really helped me find my style because when I got on Instagram, I was able to find all of these other designers who were doing what I wanted to do. And I was kind of able to see that there were so many different niches and there were so many different styles and just forcing myself to post on there is kind of also part of what made me realize what I really like doing and what I don't like doing. Yeah, I've come to that conclusion as well because I started my account and it was like, I'm just going to post my portfolio stuff and I'll do some, you know, personal projects. I'll just post it there. I looked back at my feed and I was like, I hate how this looks. This is just terrible. Like I wouldn't want to hire me. So then that was kind of a wake up call. And I was like, shit, if that's, if I don't even like how it looks, that definitely means that I don't like doing it and I don't want to do that type of work anymore so I completely started fresh and I think Instagram really helped me you know hone in on my quote-unquote aesthetic of what I wanted my page to look like what I wanted to feel like how I wanted people to feel when they went on the page on the feed and my friends really helped me with that like they texted me one day and one of my friends was like I just go on your page and it's so calming and I just, I go there when I'm stressed and it's just so relaxing. And I was like, oh, I guess that's what I want people to feel. And I didn't even know it until someone else told me. So Instagram was kind of just like my live mood board of constantly figuring out what type of design I like to do and what type of clients or what type of audience I wanted to attract. So yeah, I definitely need to look into those Facebook groups though. Because that's something that I was struggling with. I'm like, okay, I have the Instagram. I have a website. But how, what's the next step? Like, what's the next marketing step of, you know, getting my name out there? Yeah, I think that marketing, obviously, depending on who you are, your target audience, different platforms are going to work, you know, differently in your favor. So for me... I don't really get that many inquiries from Instagram, even though I post daily and I feel like it does genuinely, gen, genuinely help me connect with my audience because I can post on my stories and I'm very active on there. So people really get a feel for my personality and get to know me. Um, so I think it helps in for me personally in terms of building relationships, but I get a lot of my actual clients from Facebook groups, which has always, always been a primary place for me. And now TikTok, are you on TikTok? I have it, I don't usually post on it. So I tried making a design account and nothing was really blowing up. So I kind of let it go. And then a few weeks later, I was convinced by another designer to go at it again and on Instagram, I'm almost at 2000 followers, but I've had that Instagram page for almost three years now. 
And on TikTok, I'm about to hit 10,000 followers. Oh my gosh. And I've got one of my largest clients to date from TikTok within the first three months of being on the platform. So I think it depends on, you know, what kind of content you produce and where your audience hangs out, what's going to work for you. Because I see designers on Instagram who are killing it and they're almost at 10,000 followers in, you know, a year. And I'm like, well, I'm doing everything they're doing and it's not working for me. So I guess, you know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I've invested probably over $300 in Instagram courses and I have the aesthetic feed, I produce valuable, I do everything. Like I've literally researched the crap out of Instagram and it just doesn't seem to be my place. Um, so I think you really have to just explore all the options that are out there and find what works for you. Wow, TikTok. I, that's just so surprising to me, you know? TikTok, I, when I think of that, I just think of like middle schoolers doing like dances or whatever. But for it to be like a platform of marketing, I guess that makes total sense though, because it is social media. Yeah, and that's what people miss out on. So like, like I said, I know a lot about the social media, Instagram, marketing, all that stuff, because I've done so much research about it for years. When Instagram came out and people started using it for more than just personal photos, as in like becoming an influencer, they blew up and they're still making money today from that initial blowing up time period. Like now, if you try to become quote unquote an influencer or start an Instagram career, it is 10 times harder because there's an algorithm now. Oh yeah. Everybody's doing it. But if you took advantage of it when it was new, you got to ride that initial wave. And that's what's happening with TikTok now. It's brand new. It's the latest hit. And this is what happened with every single social media platform. They come into the industry. At first, it's just for fun or entertainment or young people. And then it turns into business and making money from it. And there's an entire business community on TikTok of small businesses, other designers, people who hand make items, and they're blowing up. Like TikTok is so organic. You can literally blow up overnight. And I've seen multiple, especially product-based businesses, a video goes viral overnight and they get 200 orders the next day. Like it has so much power over these other platforms because it's new and it's not owned by the U.S. That is so true. So as someone who has zero TikTok experience besides just, you know, wasting time scrolling on it, what, do you have any like TikTok tips, I guess? Like I wasn't expecting to talk about this, but this is like such a great, I guess, pivot, you know? Yeah. So, um, I occasionally will post videos of branding projects or websites and my work. And then all of the other time I'm posting valuable content. So like you don't, people think that you have to get on TikTok and dance and that's what it's for. That's not the only thing it's for. You can make so many creative, fun videos in five minutes talking about tips around your industry. And that will make you look like an expert and um, that will help you blow up essentially on there and even attract clients 
So one of my best videos that I've done so far was um, some words from a brand designer. And there's music, really short video, and I just point out like three key things that really bother me. And it's like, stop asking your family for their opinion, ask your target audience. Um, Canva isn't a professional software. And I said something else, but that one, that was my first video on there that really blew up. And ever since then, I've been making related, similar, valuable content like that. And um, it's so much easier to make stuff on there because you also don't have to worry about having that aesthetically pleasing feed and taking, you know, 30 minutes to write out a good caption. And I, I think that um, having a voice and being opinionated professionally is something that can also really help you stand out in the industry and get clients because um, I make statements that are very vocal, such as, you know, instead of constantly searching for new clients who are high end, educate your current clients or potential clients about why they should invest in your services. And I try to make content like that all the time. Like even the Canva stuff, I went on with that to do like the most overused Canva logo designs and just explaining the difference between Canva and Illustrator. And let me tell you, you're so right about um, saying it how it is because some people were very, very unhappy that I pointed that out, but that's just the truth. And that's what also gets you attention and make makes waves, so to speak, in the industry. Oh my God, people were upset about that? Yes, because one, you know, there are people who consider themselves designers and go buy Canva designers out there. And two, you know, people are like, well, not everybody can afford that, um, blah, 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 blah. And there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree with you, obviously. Um, so of course there were, you know, hundreds of people who were like, yes, like, so happy you made this point. And then there were, you know, some people who were upset about it because, um, you know, some people make a living from Canva and no offense to them or anything, but if you're quote unquote, a brand designer and you use Canva, you're doing your clients a disservice. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how that video went. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, attention is attention, right? You know, every, that's like the age-old saying of like, no publicity is bad publicity. But like, you're obviously not doing it with bad intentions. You're just like, I mean, this is the industry. And in school all the time, like, don't use Canva. Like, I'll know it's Canva. Like, you don't want someone to look at your logo and be like, oh, that's Canva. Like, you want someone to look at it and be like, oh, that's you. Like, that's original. That's your brand. Exactly. Ownership. And the one of my Canva videos, the first most overused logo design of 2020 Canva logo design, it was like, it's this like weird blob with like a circle around it. Yes, sure I've you. seen that. <laughs> I did that video and that one blew up and so many people were like, oh my god that's my logo or they were like oh my gosh i've seen this so many times and i'm like yeah i know because um that's what happens when you use canva and aren't original i understand staying within budget i understand that but sometimes if you really are serious about your business 
you've got to make an investment to see your business grow and see a return on your investment. If there's no initial investment and you're doing everything as cheaply as possible, don't expect to blow up, you know, within a few years and be making all this money when you're not even investing your business from the start. So I'm just starting out too and I get DMs and people like, oh my God, I love to work with you. I love your work. Can you do like $50? No, like just because I may not have like large following or like whatever, that doesn't mean that I don't, I think I'm worth only $50. Like, are you kidding? So I think that also has to change in society of like design should be cheap because it really it shouldn't be yeah and there's this whole i mean there's fiverr like the marketplaces oh yeah and those are damaging to the industry but it's also about having a brand that attracts the right kind of clients so like i used to attract cheaper clients because one i offered like i said before i was offering a lot of different stuff um and I just wasn't niched down and I hadn't developed a brand identity that was high end yet. Mm-hmm. So I attracted more clients who were either nightmares to work with, or they just didn't see the value in what I was offering. Um, but once you really, really niche down and find, you know, what you feel aligned to do with and create a brand that resonates with the right clients, you see much less of that. And although Fiverr and all of these marketplaces are damaging to the industry, there are still people out there who will see the value in what you have to offer. And they won't even consider, you know, Canva or Fiverr as an option. And there's also those situations where somebody does pay somebody on a marketplace and then later they realize, oh, this is clip art. Like maybe <laughs> I something better. Oh my God, that's, that's too funny, but it's true, you know? So I think I really wanted to ask you too about like your client process and your client expectations. And I think what you said earlier about attracting the right clients, this kind of aligns with that in, you know, clients have expectations for designers, but we also have to have expectations for them. So I guess, yeah, let's talk about your client process. So before when I first started, I was doing like everything manually. Like I had a contract I'd send through email. I'd have a proposal PDF through email. And I think a lot of people start out that way. Um, But eventually I invested in a designer business course. And then I started using a project management system. I use Asana. Um, I was looking into that one. And it breaks down the project into tasks, estimated due dates. You can assign it to people. You can like communicate through there. You can attach files on there. And um, basically once I start a project with a client, everything is handled through Asana. And so, um, you know, when they complete a task, they can check it off. When I complete a task, they can check it off. And nobody's feeling lost during the project or uninformed. Mm -hmm. Um, I now also use Hello Bonsai for my invoicing proposals and contracts. And that stuff makes the experience 
not only more organized, but more professional and it provides your clients with that high end, um, you know, experience that they're hoping to get out of investing in a bespoke service with you. Um, so those things were huge game changers for me in terms of just um, getting more organized and making things more professional and attracting higher end clients because now I was offering a much more um, streamlined service mm -hmm. and my clients always have the duty of creating a mood board. It's literally stated in my contract that they have to create a mood board because um, a long time ago, like three years ago, when I was first starting out, one of my first clients had told me what she wanted. We talked about it and she didn't really send me any examples. So when I designed like four concepts for her, she told me she didn't like any of them. And obviously that was like one of the worst case scenarios, especially being one of my first clients. So I was like, well, can you send me some examples? And that's kind of when I realized the power of having visual examples and utilizing a mood board. So that's always one of their primary duties when they first start. Um, gathering the website content for me and responding in, you know, within a few days, within a timely manner. If my client doesn't respond to me within five days of the estimated due date, then I'm not liable to deliver their project on the timeline that's stated in our contract anymore because they aren't helping you know with the process so those are some key things that they have to do for me and that's kind of how the process works um, I do only offer three refinements so that's also stated in my contract and typically most clients don't ever go over three refinements mm -hmm. and in your contracts you said you used bonsai or hello bonsai yes so does that, is that like a legal thing? So like they have templates for you or did you seek out like a lawyer for your contracts? Cause I'm at that stage and I'm like, I personally don't have the funds to like hire a lawyer and spend upwards of a thousand dollars on it. But I really do want to, you know, have the contract and be professional. Yeah. So they have templates and you can modify them. So basically I took a template and as I worked with clients over time, I modified the template to suit my needs and what I felt needed to be in there from past experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, you can add that in there. It stores all of your client information. Um, it uses Stripe to take payments. And like, I also, when I first started, used QuickBooks, but Bonsai, Hello Bonsai is like an all-in-one. So inside of there, I have those proposals. I have the signed contracts. I have, uh, I can see the amount of money I've made this year. And when I made it, um, my scheduled invoices, my clients, their contact information, like it makes things so much easier. And um, the contracts are very professional because when you email them to somebody, they click a little link and it's literally an interactive like contract. Like they click a button to where they type their name and sign it. So um, oh, that's another awesome. part of, yeah. And the invoicing as well, um, it takes them to like a screen where they type in their credit card information and they use a submit button and all of this stuff. And that is part of the you know um, client process that I really like being able to provide for people.
Yeah, and I'm assuming is Bonsai that like a monthly subscription like service? Yeah, I think that I I don't even know if I pay monthly or if I pay yearly. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's where I'm at. I don't even know what I pay for it. I just know um that you know it was something I definitely needed and it definitely pays for itself. Obviously oh, yeah. you have um your processing fees, so Stripe or PayPal or anytime you have an online payment gateway, you're going to run into those. Yeah. Uh, but that's just something you have to take into account with your prices as well. Yeah. Wow, I'm just like so shocked. I need to like look into these programs because I was trying to figure out my process and I was like, oh my God, I, what if I forget this email or what if I don't? what if the pdf is too large and like it won't send or all this stuff so asana i think it was called um i'm definitely gonna look into that one (laughs) but when working with clients how do you handle something where like you know it's gonna look bad and you know it's just not gonna work do you just straight up tell them um so i haven't really had that lately at all i think yeah because of where I'm at now I attract people who you know are like dream clients but before a long time ago um sometimes I did I've had situations where I make something it looks really great and then the client wants to do you know something else that I'm just like ew (laughs) but (laughs) I obviously explain it to them you know, and I say, you know, as a professional, um, I feel like this doesn't work because this, this, and this, and basically explain my reasoning behind why I don't think that's the best route. Mm -hmm. And if they agree, they agree. But if they don't, sometimes you just have to do what they ask because they're your client. And ultimately at the end of the day, you've got to make them happy. So um, it's kind of like you have to still be professional and give your opinion, but you still have to listen to your client at the same time. And I, when you were speaking about, you know, saying you are like, I'm the professional, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome in a way of, you know, saying that you are a professional? And with me, it's like, I like to think that I know what I'm doing, but it's just so hard to like call myself the professional. Like, I don't know. Did you experience that when you were starting out? Yeah. So when I started, I had this one lady say some awful things to me. Like we had not even worked together or anything. She had posted in a Facebook group and this was back way when I had first started, kind of did a little rebranding to be more feminine. And she was looking for somebody to do a logo. I sent her my portfolio. And then out of nowhere, she just started giving me unsolicited advice. And she's like, you need stuff in your portfolio like this. Your profile picture looks like you're 14. And she just started saying all these awful oh to me. Yeah. And um, that helped me start kind of forming red flags, start kind of figuring out who I want to work with. Um, And so that sucked, um, but I tried not to let it get to me. And I also find that graphic design students 
have this thing where they like to call themselves students, but they don't need to say that. They need to say that they're a design professional um, because that's ultimately how you work with clients. Like, don't be like, yeah, I'm a graphic design student. Be like, yeah, I'm a design professional and, you know, go into your experience. But something that really helped me out when I first started was not leading with the fact that I'm still in college and kind of um, avoiding, you know, not lying about it, but just not going into that part because it doesn't matter if you're in college or not. It matters about your quality of work. So um, I always tried to lead with, you know, look at my portfolio. That's what matters and be professional, you know, in the way that you do things. And I found a lot of people actually thought that I was like 30 or something. And then when they got on an intro call, they're like, you sound much younger. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like 21 at the time. And the only reason I finally, you know, told them my age was because I had already reeled them in with my portfolio and like the value I was providing. Mm -hmm. And they were probably impressed by that, you know? Yeah. A lot of people and even today, it still shocks some people how young I am. We're getting towards the end of this episode, but I want to talk about, you know, comparison to when you're starting out and being our own worst critics. I know with manifestation too, it's a lot of believing in yourself. So maybe that goes hand in hand, but you ever experienced that where like self-criticizing or you're comparing yourself to other designers on Instagram and Facebook and just in general? Yeah, so a lot of people look at comparison as a bad thing, but it can be a very, very valuable tool. And what I mean by that is um, half a year ago, I realized that I needed to rebrand and realign my portfolio with my dream clients because when people were posting in Facebook groups looking for designers, I was visiting some of the other designers pages and I was like, wow, their website's so beautiful and uh, I, they're charging such high prices and everything is just what I want to be doing. And instead of taking that as a bad thing, you know, and being like, I'm not that good or saying negative things to myself, it was okay let's make this happen. I need to learn how to better attract the types of clients that they're working with and obviously take inspiration, not copy, take inspiration and form it to my own unique um, thoughts and design style. And that's exactly what I did. And now when I go to my website, I'm like, wow, this is freaking awesome. Like this <laughs> is so on the back. Yeah, like this is so high end and this is exactly the kind of brand I want to be portraying and my work looks, you know, so much better than it used to. So, you know, if you find yourself comparing your work to other designers, don't take it as a bad thing. Just take it as this might be a key or a little hint that you need to improve somewhere or redesign some things, rebrand to better align with the type of work you want to be doing. 
I love that mental reframing, you know, changing your mindset, changing the way we look at things. Like we are our own worst critics. So now I use it as research. And I'm like, I like going on different websites, seeing how I use them or how like the user interface is and everything of that sort. So I definitely like what you said about the comparison, how it doesn't have to be negative, but it can be a tool for you to use. Yeah. And that also goes back to manifestation, the mindset and mm-hmm. your, you know, goals in life. So many people have negative thoughts and negative reactions, but if you change the way that you're viewing things, it can make a world of difference. For sure. Like your your mindset is key. Like I experienced such a mental shift when I was abroad because life there was just so much slower. Like I'm from New Jersey, so everything is so fast paced. Like I'm close to the city. It was always like, go, go, go. And then I was living in like a literal village and people just were like, no, yeah, it's like, whatever. Like we'll go get tea and we'll, cause I lived in the UK. So they took breaks twice a day for tea and dessert. And I was like, whoa, you could just stop. And they were like, yeah, I mean, there's always tomorrow. I was like, yeah. Wow. And I think that's also a big problem in the U.S. Oh, a yeah. lot of people are so caught up in the nine to five fast paced life that they don't realize you don't have to do that to be successful. And exactly. You can live a purposeful, fulfilling life by monetizing your passion, which some people, they don't want to, they don't want to monetize their passion. But for me, that is the way of a purposeful life. I make my own schedule. I don't have to wake up to an alarm. I'm doing meaningful work that helps other people, helps other business owners, which is something I'm so passionate about. I can go outside and enjoy nature throughout the day. I have time for other hobbies and I don't have to work this set eight hours a day or an hourly rate to make money. Like you don't have to just work, work, work. And there's also like this negative meaning around work. Like work doesn't have to mean going to a nine to five and doing these things to get paid and get by with life. Like if you do what you're passionate about, work has a whole new meaning. For sure. So I loved everything we talked about and I wanted to end off. If you have any resources like any documentaries books podcasts that you read watch listen to um about manifestation changing your mindset you know breaking out of the i guess negative u.s (laughs) mindset for lack of a better (laughs) explanation if you have any resources that you would like to share with listeners i think that would be great yeah, so big one, um, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most people say either hate him or love him, um, but he is one of the most authentic, real people that I have ever seen in the influential business space. And I truly just get so good vibes from him. And 
he can really help you um, get the confidence needed to find what you're passionate about and follow your own dreams without um, having negative influences. And highly recommend the future on YouTube. Um, he has taught me so much about branding, uh, building strategy behind design, and how to talk about money, how to get clients. I think I was, I think I've watched one of those videos. Yeah. So Chris Doe from the future, he is amazing. He will really, really help you um, get so much free value and it's all about the design industry. So definitely recommend that YouTube channel as well. And then of course the book I read, The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Um, if you're just starting out and you need uh, a little motivation that can really do it. And I got to give props to Alex from High Moon Studio. Um, her, she has, I believe it's called the Dreamers Podcast. Yes. Do you listen to her? Yes, I do. So I really love her because she talks about the hustle um, and I think that that's a very real thing. And a lot of people talk about balance, but honestly, I'm not for balance. Um, I believe that to be really, really successful in something, you have to give it your all. And mm -hmm. I feel that she's really the same way. And her podcast uh, really goes into that. So um, that is the last thing I have to recommend. Yeah, that's going to come to the end of this episode thank you so much for chatting i had such a great time now if you want to you know plug yourself go for it yeah so i had a great time too oh my gosh i could talk about these things for hours but um if you're listening to this and you know you kind of want to connect with me on social media feel free to look me up kinsey green design i'm on facebook i'm on instagram I post on stories a lot. I'm always sending voice messages via DM. I am on TikTok and you can find my website at kinseygreendesign.com. There is no E on the end of my name. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you so much for having me and um, I hope that your listeners enjoy our conversation. Yeah, me too. I didn't even realize an hour passed. <laughs> I know, like, when you talk about these things, like, time goes by so fast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow the Dare to Design Instagram account for more content. It's at daretodesign.podcast. The link will also be in the description of this episode. All right. Again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode and I'll talk to you later.